Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome everybody. Uh, for our longtime listeners, you'll know that we periodically have an episode uh, to reflect our technocracy vertical on the website, which is the tech vertical. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's the day. Uh, this is our techplosion, technocracy, technocratic uh, tech episode. Uh, we have many things we want to discuss, obviously Zuckerberg, obviously the Vatican, uh, and I'll explain that more, how prayer has become digital miraculously and how Zuckerberg has a God complex. I think it all relates one way or another or Zuck. Uh, but let me start off by welcoming our guest Katiba. I think Iming, you referred to her as our resident tech bro, which I think is a very funny thing. <laughs> I put to quotes say. around it. Air quotes. Well, she's yes. Not actually a bro, she's not actually a bro, but, but she is our tech person. You are a tech person. So welcome Katiba. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for having yes. me. And with us, as always, is Eming, our fearless leader, our producer, the person who keeps us sounding good <laughs> and like kind of on topic, roughly, when she it's can. It's been so long since I've heard you say that. It's like my soul just got brighter. Great. Um, so, Katiba Eming, I do want to start with uh, poor, sad, struggling, suffering uh, Zuckerberg. I know that poor is the wrong word, but he's just getting a lot of flack these days. There's much to discuss. I know he's getting roasted on Twitter. That's what Katiba let us know. Uh, I, I was particularly interested in a speech that he delivered uh, last week. I guess that was on the 17th at Georgetown University, uh, defending free speech or talking about Facebook's role in the context of free speech. Uh, the New York Times article mentions that Senator Elizabeth Warren accused Facebook of being a disinformation for profit machine. So shots fired, I guess. So he had he had something to defend himself against. Uh, but apparently, you know, 35 minute speech at Georgetown. He's fighting back against the idea that Facebook needs to be an arbiter of speech. Um and I think the actual quote, or at least I'm reading from the article, he said, Facebook was founded to give people a voice and bring them together. And critics who assailed the company for doing so were setting a dangerous example. Great. I love free speech. We all love free speech. Uh, but there are some limitations to free speech. I guess that's a good place to start. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. That's one limitation. I think hate speech uh, is another limitation on free speech, although... We can debate that separately. You you could make an argument, though, that a lot of what people are objecting to and the way that Facebook has been used uh, in recent years is comparable to yelling fire in a crowded theater, right? Creating chaos and panic and uh, disrupting society. Um, and obviously, you know, hate speech. I think one third of what's going on on Facebook could technically qualifies hate speech, but I'm not here to bag Zuckerberg. I'm not here to bag Facebook. I am interested in this conversation about free speech and what responsibility Facebook may or may not have to limit what people are posting. And is it a slippery slope or not? If they start regulating what kind of information is on there, what information do they regulate and what don't they? It's a sticky situation. There's no easy answer. Thankfully, Katiba is here. <laughs> Well, avid Facebook user. Um, well, here's the thing. I did read up about how they they did have, you know, or they do have all those like centers where they have people like filtering out posts and images and videos. So they are making an effort, right? There are things that they don't want on there. And that works traumatizing enough. So it's just funny how like when it comes to like political pages and like when it's straight up like fake news, 
why that's all of a sudden like, oh, we can't touch it. And it's like, okay, but a lot of things you don't want on your site either. So where do you draw the line on like what's acceptable? So it makes me wonder like, is it something that like they actually care about or is it something like to for the shareholders or the board or whatever? Like, you know, like obviously like people getting killed and, and like awful things like happening to children, whatever, like that makes sense. But I don't know. Like, what? yeah, so they have a, a, I mean, from the, from its inception, they've been very consistent about taking down, like, you know, what you call like offensive material, right? So there's yeah. all kinds of stuff, even anything from pornography all the way to violent imagery. They've been yep. pretty consistent about being able to regulate that. I think the minefield that they're wandering into now is regulating, like determining like what fake news is, uh, should, should it be their responsibility to filter information out or not if independent of the offensive material as they're saying that they're taking down it's just it seems to me like an interesting reversal because i think you know the position a year ago when zuckerberg was having to explain himself was more about like we need to do a better job we need you know all the cambridge analytica stuff came out people saw how facebook had been weaponized during the election and he seemed kind of chased it seemed like the position of the company was like we need to do something about this this seems like a little bit of a reversal uh and as you said it's not clear whether it's you know because they have a profit margin to uh be mindful of and it might just be an identity problem you know, where like yeah. Facebook grew so quickly and they didn't think it was going to be uh, such a, a cultural force that it would be possible to have this much social disruption. So they couldn't put the definition out in front. Yeah. Um, but it is it, it, it's interesting to hear you mention that they have the capacity to filter information. But then do we really want rooms full of people making determinations about like yeah. what kind of political information should be out there and what's well, not? I, I mean, he said, right, he said, like, we have independent groups that's what he was telling AOC, like independent groups that like are like fact checking. So like they obviously use independent contractors and everything. It's the validity and like and like if if those independent groups are you checking if they're also, you know, appropriate. Right. So, Who are the independent groups and what are their own internal guidelines? And, and and AOC was like, but they have ties to white supremacy. Right? Like it's it's good thing that you're not like, keeping it in house, right? Like you actually have outside independent groups, but they also are not going to fact check correctly. Then what? That defeats the whole point. And I think he's just been caught up with so much flack of him, like not supporting conservative pages and users. I think he's trying to like modify that image too. So it's definitely an image problem, right? Like Yeah, right. I mean, there could be a perception that if you start to restrict certain kinds of misleading information, the the consensus is kind of that most fake news is I mean, I guess this is a perception problem, but when we think of fake news that's on Facebook, we think mostly of the Cambridge Analytica stuff, stuff that was put on there either by foreign entities or domestic entities that were, you know, you could be de- could be considered hate speech at the very least supportive of the president yep. and you know critical of liberal minded people yeah that's the thing and it's like doesn't help that he's mark zuckerberg of facebook in silicon valley where it's already super liberal and everyone already feels like you know i mean like youtube was also in the same flack like a lot of conservative people were getting their youtube channels taken away and it's just like I think he's just trying to put out so many fires, but also trying to like, so I took a sociology of entrepreneurship class uh, in my last semester at Cal and, and they said like, 
well, my professor was like, he's also changed his appearance. Like now he wears suits. He's like a big boy now. Like he's like trying to like show like, listen, I'm like a C- I'm a businessman. I'm not just like some nerdy kid with a startup idea and I wear jeans and a t-shirt. Like he's like trying to get rid of that all total. But I think it's coming out like of him being just like, I want to make money. Well, it seems like it seems like a Michael Jordan problem. Like this is an old thing, but you know, many many years ago, you know, people were encouraged. Michael Jordan was such a prominent figure when he was still playing basketball that you know people were encouraging him, like, oh, you should be, you know, have more of a political voice. Uh, and and his response was, well, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. You know what I mean? Like basically, yeah. it was just very transparent about the fact. There's like, hey, listen, I have my own political views, but I'm I'm making a living by selling shoes, and if I came out um, and had a political perspective that was contrary to somebody else's, I'm going to yeah. lose a huge market share. And you know, he was ridiculed for it because people were like, well, that's pretty cowardly. Basically, what what that's saying is that you do have a political conviction, but you don't want to voice it because you want to make money. Yep. Um, but then again, you know, the the 21st century example of that is somebody like Colin Kaepernick. You know, who like did take the risk and did take a political stand and it, it upended his career. Yep. Um, I mean, those are different. Those are hard things to compare just because Mark Zuckerberg's in a very different position in terms he of power. To so many people like and I think to some extent, I think he also recognizes that like like it or not, I'm Facebook's still going to be around. People will still use it like as much as Congress bags on him and as much as Twitter roasts him. People are still going to use Facebook and it's just so ingrained in everyone's life. Well, how was your, I mean, my usage of Facebook has changed a lot. I think before there were more social media options, maybe like 10 years ago or so, like Facebook was a very important thing in my life and I spent a lot of time on it and it's how I communicated with people. Um, But I I don't think I'm alone uh, in like tapering my usage. Like it's definitely not a part of my life in the way that it used to be, particularly once it became overtly political and also it got a lot older, I guess. I don't know if that's like the right way to say it, but you just started noticing a lot more like uncles and aunts and like grandparents on there. And it kind of just changed the tenor that happened right around the it's same time. That it Snapchat was... now. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, I, I'm not like diminishing the power of Facebook and how many users they have, especially globally. But I'm just thinking yeah. kind of domestically and at least like people I know who are my age and younger, Facebook is kind of a less relevant platform. Is that, would, is that yeah, fair it to say? Is. So college, it was such a big deal to me. I mean, I lived on the site. Like I'm literally a moderator to two pages, you know? So it like, that was my life. And it was just so, so much easier to plan everything and discuss with everyone and, you know, be quirky. And then once you like leave, right. Once you don't have an organization that's attached to Facebook or a social group, then I, I, God, I haven't, I think the last time I posted was like maybe a month or two ago. And I don't, it, it feels like almost a chore. I feel like when I go on it, I'm just trying to clean up my notifications. I miss yeah. Facebook invites and requests all the time. And so it's just like, that was a phase where like everyone else was using it around me. I don't even have my coworkers on Facebook. Like that's just how far removed I am from using it. You know? Um, Do you have an, like a preferred social media network now that you gravitated towards? Um, it's just, I guess when you, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm in my first full-time job, but I just use platforms that allow me to like talk to just like a select like amount of people, right? Like if I wanted to block a lot of people on Facebook, like that's annoying. Like I have, 
maybe more than 700 friends. Like no one has time to sit there and be like, no, 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 no to everyone. Right. That's super annoying. And, um, but with like Instagram and like, you can make another account within it or you can do a close friends list or on Snapchat, you can have like a select friends group. Like, I think a lot of my peers and I share that, that we no longer care about how many people are, how many people are viewing our stuff. It's just like, we just want to provide content to like a certain small amount. And if you do post on Facebook or, or Instagram, it's rare and few in between just because it's like, you know, when, when are you going to check it? And does it matter? Like maybe, maybe 300 likes is great, but that doesn't, doesn't hit as well anymore. You know? <laughs> I mean, I keep thinking about like how many social media platforms I've been through. Like, I, I don't know if this means anything to anybody, but I had a Friendster page. I don't know if anybody remembers Friendster, but Friendster really was like the very, I think, the very first social media network that was big enough that like you knew other people that were on it. Uh, it was not nearly as interactive. It was just like a list of your favorite things. Emin, did you have a Friendster page? Do you remember Friendster? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. And then... Yeah, Friendster just, you know, it didn't really have legs. It was kind of cool. It was a novelty. But then, like, once people used it, it kind of it stopped evolving. So it went away. And it was really kind of dethroned by MySpace, right? Which was another <laughs> social media network yeah. I got really into. But they also didn't really evolve or adapt. And they also, I mean, they made a lot of missteps, I think. You know, they, um, Rupert Murdoch, like, purchased <laughs> a huge percentage of MySpace and tried to turn it into a media platform. And then... They allowed people to change skins so like everything looked like a chaotic garbage website from 1997 yeah. and so that like once facebook came out people were primed people were like oh this is better this is like a better version that's more that's standardized so a lot i think tech people or people who are like at least knowledgeable would say like the reason facebook worked and lasted longer is because it's just like it's just a better platform it's you know and there are a lot of like techie explanations for why it's lasted but i keep hoping like when is facebook just going to become like friends or MySpace and just be kind of like a joke of the past, but that might be an unrealistic yeah. dream of mine. You don't see that happening, Katiba? No, I think they just do so much user research. I literally, like, they do so much user research. They're constantly trying to figure out ways of how to make it just like more accessible in every single way. But then why is it so easy for you and I to walk away? Like if they do, or if they're doing that good a job, like how is it well, possible for you and I not to look at Facebook for a month? Well, I think it's just because like they know that you'll always they know that you'll always have your account, right? You may deactivate it, maybe one day you'll delete it. But you'll always be reminded in every single aspect, like, oh, you didn't hear about that one party? Oh yeah, it was on Facebook. We sent you an invite there. Like I literally hear my coworkers saying that all the time. They're like, Oh, that thing, like, yeah, you didn't know we sent you an invite. And one of my other coworkers is like, dang, I didn't I don't check Facebook. And it's like, well, sucks to suck <laughs> on it or like messenger messenger app being so accessible and so available yeah that was um, smart and like you know like and the fact that they 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 removed it from the i mean you, you could use the the website but that's kind of clunky now so you were forced to get the app yeah. on the separate website and it's like i don't mind opening up messenger and facebook right it's yeah. like not even a bother it's like it's like oh thank you for making it clean for me yeah right and then like and the fact that you can just share like documents and you can have whole groups and I don't know, just do so much. It's ridiculous. And then, um, and then on top of that, you know, WhatsApp's making a comeback. Like they really just, 
put all forces on front. Like for every- is it a comeback? What did WhatsApp go away for a while and then come back? Well, I'm, I'm like a very intermediate white WhatsApp user. Um, a lot more people are seeing it as like an alternative to calling internationally. Because there's yeah. an internet connection that you don't have to pay. Like my parents used to use calling cards. My mom now uses WhatsApp consistently all the mm. time. And it just works so much better that way. And, um, and you're saying what? They were on the decline for a while and then now they're on the way up? Well, that- now like they've, they've also made like WhatsApp like so accessible to – I'm telling you, they do a lot more research than you know. Yeah. They have like teams upon teams upon teams. I'm. If you told me right now, oh, one-third of you, Facebook is user research, I'd be like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like yeah. that makes so much sense. And that's yeah. the smartest thing to do. Um, and so, you know, like that's just like not surprising. And I wouldn't, you know, they're just always thinking about how to make it a little bit easier. Um, like, for example, a few months ago, Facebook reached out to me and was like, hey, you want to do a user research study? And I'm like, oh, my God, me? Like, <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah. Gladly. <laughs> right. Like, it wasn't like super annoying. It was just like, oh, I want to help. I want to see what, what yeah. ideas you have in store. Yeah. Right. They just like really reach out. But also, well, like, if you left, it's not like they're not chasing after you either. Because they know they'll get you again. You'll be back. So yeah. cocky. They know. Yeah. They know we need them. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the power that we do have exists on a different uh, social media platform, Twitter. I do want to hear some of your highlights uh, from Zuckerberg getting roasted on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what... He's been he's been in the news a lot lately. Every time he shows up, he looks like he just arrived here from another planet. Yeah. Uh, and this is usually what happens whenever he puts on his suit and goes to testify. Like people are wondering why it's so difficult for him to drink a glass of water, for instance. Yeah. Uh, so you know, what- I think it's not on purpose. I heard and like people just break it down. It's like a lot of billionaires do that. They'll just like look weird and and like awkward and like he has a weird haircut it's just kind of like oh like you know like don't take me that seriously like i'm i don't even know how to cut my hair you know i'm just relatable to everyone now i'm like just that weird fake modesty i mean i guess except that he really is like an actually he's an awkward person you know i think a lot of ceos are kind of like slick finger gun guys and then when it comes time for them to be humble they put on a show about "Ah, i'm just like a regular guy you know but mark zuckerberg actually does like you know you wonder if he breathes oxygen do you know what i mean like he's so uncomfortable in every situation uh which makes sense you know i mean i saw the movie he created the platform because he had a hard time socializing with people you know what i mean it would only make sense he was trying to he was using the platform to rate girls that wouldn't get with him and now look where we're at and i was like yeah Ah, shit. That's dark, man. Really bringing us back to it. So what else is he getting? Are there memes? I want to know so, more. Like how, yeah, what is Twitter what is, like, saying? There's that, that whole clip of like AOC um, just, you know, asking one question. And, and when he would take, he would like stutter and like try to figure out like what to say to like respond. He's like, oh, Congresswoman, uh, um, actually it's, um, you know, like, like he didn't want to answer the question, and she's like, mm, "Okay, we're moving on." So people were people were leveraging her, like, "See, that's how it's done. That's how it like empowering." Like, look at AOC; like, she's the most tech savvy one on the team. And then there was a kind of figure it out. There was another video of this other congresswoman who's a lot older. Oh my God, what's her name? I was literally watching it, like Maxine or something. Does she have brown hair? Yeah. I literally just finished watching it. It's ridiculous. It is refreshing to have AOC up there just because 
in the past, we've had a bunch of like 60 and 70 year old people who like didn't even understand the internet. So they, they didn't yeah. even, they didn't know how to ask questions. It's like nice to have AOC up there. Who's like a young person who is like tech savvy and asking the right questions. It is very refreshing. But I mean, her asking the questions, I just, I think a lot of people just like sensationalize like what it means when she's asking. Cause I don't think they understand that like her asking those questions and him not really answering. I I think people thinking are thinking that it has a lot more power than it really does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I'm not saying like oh she cracked the nut. You know what I mean? Like Zuckerberg folded under pressure. I just mean they didn't even know what questions to ask last time he was up there. You know what I mean? Because they couldn't even visualize a platform. It was really like watching like having your grandparents ask you like how to Google something. Do you know what I mean? The last time he was up there, and this time it's like you have someone who's young and at least is fluent in the language and understands the platform. And if she's not a digital native, she's very close to a digital native, so she can use the language. Live stream. Yeah, that's true. But it feels has, like has she been live streaming, Eming? She has in the past. I don't know. That's like her thing. She's like, well, she's made good use of tech tools, obviously. I mean, she's always clap, you know, she's the queen of the Twitter clapback. But okay, here's the thing. My whole thing with her, like trying to get him or just that video i'm just thinking, I'm thinking about like how people are perceiving it all of maybe because i follow a lot of liberal people but like <laughs> all of them were like she dragged him like she let him have it and i'm like yeah. no he didn't even answer half the questions because he was <laughs> on so that was kind of like a bad interview to be quite honest right right like because it was just like he wasn't answering and everyone keeps framing it like oh she really got him she she burned him and i'm like I don't see Congress yeah. doing anything. Yeah, to what end, right? Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like everyone just keeps fine. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, Rep- Representative Joyce Bietti, like she apparently was like, you know, telling him like you're you don't do enough diversity. Like your legal team doesn't have enough women of color. Or women law run law firms. Like that's also a clip that's been circulating of her. Like, you know, like for an older lady, I think maybe she's like sixty or seventy. Like she's also putting him in his place. And I'm like, again, you, you just keep using these clips and like hyping it up. And I get that. Like they ask really good questions, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I mean, what kind of answers are you that. looking for? Like, is there, you you want to have like the Perry Mason law and order moment where it's like, just like, oh, gotcha, oh. like blood on your head. But like, that's the thing. It's Facebook is so complex and this concept is so complex. Like, we're just not going to find that. And I think people just want something like a boom roasted got you moment. <laughs> not how like justice or whatever we're trying to do here works. Right. But that is, that is how social media works. There's just like, if you have a three second clip that you can circulate that makes you feel good about your political position. Like it doesn't matter yeah, what the reality, yeah. you don't need the context. You're just like, Oh look, she clowned him. It was like, yeah, so what? Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like to what end? He still has maybe like five, six, seven different law firms. Yeah, he's fine. Police unit, like the the guy is, you know, he's like set. You know, he's gonna be fine. (laughs) And I don't think, and I think that he like, I think he's very strategic. I'm pretty sure he's like planning out and thinking about every thing he says and every second and every form of coverage. Like I'm pretty sure he's gonna go back to the drawing board day and night. Like. You know, I yeah. I don't think, you know, all of us like hyping up like how he got owned 
But what do people want? What do you want? What do you think would be a sense of justice? Like what kind of limitations Um, should be placed on Facebook? What should he have to answer for? I don't know, fines or, or something like, like, like I want, um, it seems like when they do offer punishment, they just been scolding him. Yeah. And I just feel like he doesn't care. It doesn't matter. People are still going to use Facebook. You're not going to stop people from using Facebook. I think we just expect our congressmen and women, like that they have a lot more power than they really do personally. Or, you know, to play devil's advocate, to what extent is Zuckerberg and, you know, by extension, Facebook being blamed just for like the shortcomings of of humanity? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it is a platform that could have gone any direction, right? Like the platform was not created to promote white supremacy and hate speech. It was just created to be a platform that anyone could access. And the result has been the emergence of a lot of hate speech and misinformation and, and manipulation, uh, which might say more about our shortcomings as a species than the platform. You know what I mean? And maybe the question is like, to what extent does a, a platform that's that powerful, should they be expected to police and limit human behavior, which is just obviously like white supremacy exists, hate speech exists, racism exists, like misinformation exists. Um, Should it then be Facebook's responsibility to police human behavior, which is historically the government's purview. And in this country, at least we kind of champion the first amendment. I think that's why it's so tricky. It's like, yeah, what's happening on Facebook is awful. And What's deplorable is that Facebook is more interested in growth and and profitability than like limiting or restricting or being mindful about human behavior. But, you know, that's kind of like the flaw of capitalism in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? It's not unique to Facebook. It's just that. It, it, Facebook is one of the most successful tech companies and tech companies are always one step ahead of the law because there there are no laws to regulate them because they're yeah. always in, inventing something before there's a law to regulate it. Yeah. And then we end up in this kind of nebulous space where it's like, well, we want to blame Zuckerberg yeah. because he, at least he's a person. Like we're very frustrated by tech for a lot of reasons. You're like, look, there's the guy, <laughs> you know, and it's fair in some ways, you know, because of decisions that he's made for his company. But in other ways, it's like he's kind of become the sounding board for all of our collective frustrations with in some ways, humanity, I guess, you know, maybe I should join Zuckerberg's legal defense team. <laughs> well, it's also like, he knows, right. One second. He also knows that like, um, he just knows that, um, like, like no one's going to get him in trouble. Like, what are you going to put him in? Yeah. I mean, I think people are talking about, you know, regulations and restrictions. And I think there's, there's, you know, some precedent for this. If you look at the history of free speech and the history of the press in this country, there were times that like, you know, rich people owned a newspaper and they just used it to advance their uh, political agendas. And they made laws so that, you know, a, a town wouldn't have newspapers that were owned by the same people. You couldn't monopolize information, right? There were laws about preventing rich people from controlling the means of uh, distributing information. Although obviously, yes, rich people and corporations do still own uh, most of the means of disseminating information, but never has it been so centralized. So I, I think what people are looking for is some kind of regulation or some kind of limitation, but nobody knows what that would look like because you can't restrict the internet because it's all of us. You know what I mean? Like. 
people can just gravitate to another platform or a platform can kind of reinvent itself. Um, so I guess, yeah, what we're looking for is like a gotcha moment and we want to like have AOC, like spike the football in the end zone and be like, you know, take that. But it's not realistic because the questions that we're asking are much bigger than um, even than we can answer. I think. Not, it's not very transparent. I think a lot of people are frustrated with the transparency aspect. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, okay, yeah, you have these independent watch groups and then we find out later. It's like, but they have all these ties and it's like, how do you even let this happen in the first place? And it's like, hello, he's not, I'm assuming he's probably like a very liberal guy in some, some ways. And so I'm like. Uh, politically, he talks like it. You know? Yeah. I think yeah, that's his so, public persona. I, I take him at his word, I guess. And so like, we're just like, you're smarter than this. Like you should know that certain independent watch groups are not actually like, worthwhile like using you know but then I, I just know that he's like beholden to his shareholders and his board like yeah. they have to be like running the show like he, he can only do so much and i think also putting them on trial too would would make a big difference but we keep trying to use him and he keeps using he's always being sacrificed almost yeah you know? yeah so it's a little sacrificial <laughs> lamb but then Did that, get, that got a chuckle out of you, Eming, the sacrificial lamb? A little bit. <laughs> you don't have any sympathy for him? You're just like... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just more confused about what they do and don't allow for ads. Because I did a little... Well, I was trying to like... After we did our last podcast, I tried to boost that episode on Facebook. And they were like, no, you can't boost it because it's, it's about politics. But then why am I getting all these other ads like from trump like what's how do they i don't right. know really like ours wasn't even about anything it was about just just the debate there wasn't anything yeah. like oh for so and so do this it was just a photo of the of the 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 debate stage yeah. or the debate stage right yeah yeah and they were like nope you can't you can't you can't um make an ad because it's it's about politics and, and i was like that's stupid i was like you guys make me look at those trump ads every like five minutes <laughs> i look at facebook so why can't i boost this podcast episode it was really it was really weird i don't yeah. get it yeah so that and that's also a transparency issue because we don't know very much about why and how they restrict things like that right yep. there wouldn't be a way to find out well they have like they have an algorithm and they also have like humans doing it so it just needs like second or third eyes so you just like really refute it and then go through a process and by that point people just give up and be like facebook's against me and it's like okay so with youtube some 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 videos get demonetized and some don't and there's been like research right to figure out like why yeah. they found like lgbtq or like the word gay like apparently demonetizes you and everyone's like why are you serious right now interesting what the heck so yeah. Yeah. like it's like it's like when literally like algorithms and ai like screw us over but we have to we have to teach it something we have to teach it like you shouldn't use this specific word because right yeah it's not you know you can't make money off of it yeah but i mean it's the same situation if we start blaming algorithms it's like well we made those you know what i mean like we told them what to do there's there's like there's a ghost in the machine that yeah shouldn't have a certain word yeah. It all goes back to a human being teaching it something. Yeah. So, um, well, we've talked about humans and robots, uh, or at least artificial intelligence. But let's talk a little bit about God and technology. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite Such a great things. Combination. <laughs> Together at last. Dear God, can you hear me through my God? The, the original coder. 
Um, so this was a piece of news that Eming passed along to me. Eming, I'm so glad you shared this with me because it's really right up my alley. Uh, Not as much. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, and I'll just read a portion of the release as it was as it was posted on CNN. Uh, the rosary is going mobile. So this is a real thing. This is an electronic device that the Vatican has made available. The Vatican announced the launch of the, quote, click to pray e-rosary, lower letter E, (laughs) big letter, big R, rosary, uh, because October is the month of the rosary. The e-rosary is an app-driven device, right, like a Fitbit, like you said, that can be worn as a bracelet. To activate it, all you have to do is make the sign of the cross, and the Fitbit knows that the Christ. Fitbit knows that you're making the sign of the cross uh, and it helps you to keep track of the prayers of the rosary, which is what rosary beads are for anyway. You know, so I, I'm not like I don't want to approach this uh, from a completely cynical perspective. I just think it's humorous. At the very least, it's humorous. Um, but once it's activated, the wearer can choose between three different options to pray: standard rosary, contemplative rosary, or a thematic rosary. Updated every year, so you like update the app that comes along with it. Uh, the device shows users' progress through each prayer, keeps track of each rosary completed. Your soul uh, has been saved today. Good job. Yeah, right. Like you get you get push alerts about your prayers. Maybe uh, I'm Muslim. I don't understand that. Wait, hold on. <laughs> How does that? What you do the sign? I, mean, I, I can you tell you. I can tell you about the rosary. Yeah, I think you know how like a, a, a Fitbit like can tell if you're running or if you're walking or like what activity you're doing because it's on your wrist, right? And it tracks your movement. Uh, when you do the motion, I think this is what they're saying. When you do the motion of the sign of the cross, you put your hand on your forehead, you put your hand on your heart, and you do your left shoulder and your right shoulder. I think that movement activates it, right? Because it is hardware that's on your wrist. So I count then, one prayer. Your soul is leveling up. Well, that the sign of the cross doesn't necessarily count as a prayer, although I guess, yeah, it is a prayer. I just mean like that's how you activate it, right? And then you can start doing your rosary. And the rosary is you know, for centuries now has been just prayer beads. A lot of different religions have prayer beads, but it's it's a way of keeping track. You know, you do 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father and 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father. And, you know, you go all the way around all the beads that are on there. And that's how you say a a complete rosary. But the objective here is that, you know, because the point of those prayer beads is to keep track, to count essentially how many prayers you were saying. And there's a certain amount you're supposed to say when you say your rosary. Um, But this, uh, I guess, is a... Uh, a techie way to do it. All it does is keep track of your prayers. I don't think it says your prayers for you. I think that would be crossing into some different territory. You can't outsource your prayers to a robot. I don't think the Vatican's not ready yet. for that. Not yet. Have um, you not seen Battlestar Galactica? Why does that happen on Battlestar Galactica? You you outsource your uh, prayers? No, robots believe in God. Well, I mean, if artificial intelligence gets far Just enough, saying. it should be emulating all human behavior. Although I guess that is its own conversation. Uh, but I am interested in this place where, you know, faith and tech meet. There are a lot of other overlaps. I think a lot of it is just, you know, people who are in faith communities are looking at young people and thinking like, how do we keep people engaged in our church or how do we keep people engaged in our faith? Kids love tech. Let's find a way to, to use tech to bring people in. This one is just like the kind of thing that it seems like it was made just for um, like late night show hosts to like make quick jokes about, you know, yeah. app for yeah. <laughs> and it's so easy to as well. Cause I, I think like Catholicism and Christianity. So like, like so talked about and like everything and like movies and everything. So it's so easy to just do that without 
people really getting offended, you know? Like I've seen the other day I was telling my mom, I was like, yeah, mom, there's like Bibles that are just decoration. She's like, what are you talking about? Because to her, that's a holy book. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, you can just have it and, and you can like, there are some decorations where you open it and it's like, like, you know, something you can hide something in. And she's like, there's no, nothing. And I was like, no, it's just decoration. And she just couldn't grasp that idea because to her, the the Holy Bible is a, a holy book. And so is the Quran and so is the Torah. And you couldn't possibly use it for decoration. You can't use that. And I was like, no, nope, that's how they do it here and everywhere. Like it's become like a souvenir almost. We don't know the Quran. You know, like that's just not appropriate, not okay. Like you do not do that. You take it very seriously. So it hasn't been like commercialized like that. But when you talk about like faith and tech, like for example, I have the like a Muslim pro app and it tells me what all my prayers are. And it has like the Quran, like a digital Quran. And it has like recordings. But I never saw that as like, oh, it's it's something to like outsource, like something to make fun of. It's almost like, it's just really helpful. So maybe we perceive it differently. I've always found those apps to be so helpful because it's like, you know, it keeps track of my prayers and it tells me how to pray. And it's maybe because ours is more lifestyle ingrained, you know? Right. Like it literally tells no, me I mean, I think I'm, I'm looking at this like, all right, I grew up Catholic. It's a big part of my culture and a big part of my identity, but I'm not like an actively practicing Catholic. Um, so it is easy for me to be like dismissive of something like this, but I, you know, as you said, I think for someone who is an active practicing Catholic, if you're saying the rosary regular, yeah, sure. Why not have a tool, you know, to help you keep track of your prayers or whatever. It seems so bougie almost, you know, <laughs> like there's like a classified vibe. Then. Well, the Catholic church is quite bougie. I don't know if you've seen any of our gilded cathedrals, but <laughs> they're, they've just been pouring gold well, all over our churches since the... I guess what shocks me is that they're the ones presenting it. Do you know what I mean? It's not like right. some random tech company that's like, you know, here in our studio, we realize we love God. And we love yeah. tech. You know, it's well, not like a Mark Zuckerberg presenting it kind of thing. It's like, it's the it's the one of the holiest people. I don't know. Is that okay? I don't know. A holy person who 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 is like behind it and supporting it. It's the yeah. Vatican, you know, it's yeah. the political organization. It's the head of the Catholic Church who's introduced it. But to me, it seems a lot more like a plea for relevance. You know, like we got this new Pope, Francis, who was supposed to be like the woke Pope, the Obama Pope, you know, Um and because, you know, the Catholic Church is having to confront that their numbers are dwindling all over the world. They chose a pope who was from Latin America because they recognized that the church is growing in parts of the world that aren't Western Europe. You know, finally, I mean, every pope before that was either Italian or Catholic or German. Almost all of them are Italian for a long, long time. So, you know, I think this is an extension of that, you know, where they're realizing, like, we need to meet people where they are where they are if we want to try and stay relevant, which is also like does make me feel a little cynical because it's like, hey, kids, you know, like <laughs> do your rosary, you know, like there's a lot more. I mean, this is the joke that people make all the time is like the Catholic Church. Uh, there, there are a lot. Of, there's a lot of room for reform in the Catholic Church. You know, let's just leave it at that. And I think a lot of people would say, like, well, why don't you guys focus your efforts on that, uh, maybe, and not on making a Fitbit so that you can say the rosary. Yeah, that's you know? what throws me off. That it's, it's from them. Yeah. That's what threw me. Like if you said like some tech company presented it, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. But it's yeah. like really, like it's like it's like if I. So it's like if Saudi Arabia came out with a 
<laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's something that's like Muslim in tech. I'd be like, yeah. that's not okay. You're not, it almost feels like you're turning religion into a way to make money. You know, maybe that's. Well, I mean, you know. Maybe that's something that's why I see it. So, and, and it also just seems like, first of all, the price tag is ridiculous. Like, 100, it was 110. I think so, yeah. It's and literally a there's going to be app updates and virtual. It just feels like an iPhone almost. Yeah. Well, they got to make it trendy somehow. Got to get them young people back into religion. This will do it. That's just so <laughs> this, trendy. This will restore everybody's faith. Yeah. It makes them do things regularly. So, but that's not. That's how people respond to most things. I cannot. I can't grasp my head around this. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm having a hard time with it too. But, you know, I'm going to, I'll keep, I'll check eBay. Maybe there'll be a used one on there. Okay. We are not using our money for that. Okay. I mean, you know, if it gets down to 20 or $30, I'd like to give it a shot. I, Christmas yeah, is that, coming up. That's going to be, that, you know, you be a hot. For your birthday? Yeah. Yes. Christmas present? You want to roast? You want okay. You know, you know what freaks me out about it is that it's not like an app on your iPhone that reminds you to pray or tells you to like move your phone or you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a whole separate hardware. Yeah. 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 Isn't that wild? No, I agree. It's I, I, takes like two seconds to download. I have a lot of questions about the e-rosary, but I will say this uh, years ago, you know, I used to run and then I stopped running. I kind of fell out of the habit. And then when they first came out with this Nike plus thing, like long before, like you could just have an app on your phone that measured, um, your distance running. They had like a thing. You could put a sensor inside your shoe and then it would like count your steps. And then you could pair it with your, um, at the time it was iPod on an iPhone. Uh, and it would tell you if you ran like three miles or five miles, you would set a goal and they tell you your best time and all that. Also kind of a, like an electronic gimmick, but I got really excited about it and I started to run again. And I felt like, all right, sometimes it does just take like a little gimmick to get you back. So I thought, hey, what if I did get the e-rosary? Maybe I would start, you know, revisiting my faith. And, you know, it, it could be the tech gimmick that got me back into my faith. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but I, I'm trying to understand the motivation for it. And I, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, also, if I, if I dropped 110 on a rosary... I would feel compelled to because I'd be like, "That's a lot That's of." That's right. You got to get your money's worth. I wonder how many hail marys it is for one hundred and ten dollars. You know, like, but like, I oh, think... I said a thousand hail marys this month. I really got my money's worth. But then, you know, then you get have to get ready for the criticism. Like everyone around yeah. you is like with their regular old prayer beads. Be like, That's true. You know, I've been using this. It's a flex. It's a church flex. You want to sit in the front pew wearing your e-rosary, you know. It's like getting a, it's like a new pair of Jordans or something. $5, those like rich kids, you know, rich kids of Instagram are going to have it because sometimes for some of them being religious is also like a fun flex. I it's going to be something that influencers use and I, I can already seeing it be more of like a trendy thing. It's like when people wear like cross earrings and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, but that iconography is so far removed from what you know its original intent was. Now it's just like a design. It's like wearing a peace sign or a Nike swoosh yeah. or something. Yeah, one of my know? friends was wearing a cross like necklace, and I remember asking her like, "Oh, I didn't know you were Christian or Catholic," and she's like, "I'm not. I just really like it." It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Someone wore a hijab and was like, I really like it. And I'm like, that's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> but I guess they're, Watch out. they're like a lot more capitalized than others, you know? That's true. That's, that's definitely true. Grasp my head around it. Well, I'm looking it. at the design of it, right? And it's just like very clunky and not very 
uh, it's not very tech looking and I feel like there's a product design problem here. Like they should have brought in like some people from Apple to help them design something that looked a little sleeker, maybe like all white, you know, or something like that. Yeah, well, people did in different colors and then yeah. it kind of looks like grandma jewelry. Like right now it just looks like grandma jewelry. It doesn't yeah, look very techy. Aspect will make people buy it. And, yeah, that's what and, I mean. And hype it up. And I can see an influencer yeah. saying, hey, guys, welcome to my channel. Wanted to show you guys my e-rosary. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the Vatican has to get the right influencer, you know. That's weird. Yeah. And that's the Vatican <laughs> is you and saying, hey, can you promote our product? That's weird. I believe it. Well, you know, the Pope is on Twitter. Okay, but what would you do if they used you as an influencer? Like if the Vatican came to me and they said, listen, man, we noticed you've got 125 followers. <laughs> you're obviously <laughs> you're obviously an influencer. Uh, can you wear this rosary? I thought, you know, uh, I, it would be a unique position to be in. You know, if, if the Pope reaches out to you, you know, you got to hear him out. So if I got if I got a DM from the Pope, I'd have to hear his proposition. But I think my cynicism would kick in. I guess. Yeah. I mean, if we if a sheikh or an imam hit me up i would start apologizing i'm like i know what i did i'm sorry <laughs> yeah you know what that would probably be my response too yeah. i was like well this is how it goes down i'm my tweets aren't actually mine i'm sorry i didn't mean to write any of that <laughs> <laughs> so it would just be really bad all right well thank you for indulging my debate on the e-rosary and thank you Eamon, for sending it i'll be thinking about this for weeks to come i'm trying to find the right person to get it as a gift um, Please, and then tell us what it's like. Because I'm, I wouldn't. I do, it. you know. I want to. I think that's a good article. You know, like a lapsed Catholic gets an e-rosary. You know, use it for a month, and then you write about whether it helps you re-engage with your faith or prayer or something. Just okay. a thought. Just a thought. Maybe I could pitch it and write it. Like a blog. Like I found yeah. Jesus again with tech. Yes, finding Jesus through tech. There you go. You wrote the headline for me, Katiba. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Sweet E Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you walked into that. Um, all right. Um, I want to thank you for being here. Kativa is always a lively conversation when you come join us. Yeah. Uh, Eming, thank you for sending these topics our way and orchestrating our tech podcast. It took a while to get us together, but I'm glad we were patient and made it happen. Uh, thanks as always to our listeners. Until next time, quest on everybody. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.